This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Happy Sabbath. It's nice to see you here today. I um, am happy to see our online audience is here as well. But, you know, somebody described watching a church online kind of like having a, uh, having a fireplace on your TV screen. Okay, you don't, get the, you don't get the warmth. You don't get the smell. You don't get to stoke it and build it up. You just have to watch it. So whenever you feel safe, those of you who are watching online, I'm glad you're with us online. Come on in, man. Come back to God's house. We need you here. We miss you very much. Now, we're heading into Christmas, and it's always a little strange to be the guest speaker on the Sabbath before the Christmas sermon. Because you're never entirely sure if you should preach a, a, a Christmas sermon or just a regular sermon. So I'm going to preach a regular Christmas sermon today. Bow your heads with me, please. Father in heaven, thank you so much. That for reasons beyond my understanding, you have chosen me to be your mouthpiece to your people today. But I pray, Lord, please, that I'm just a mouthpiece. That they hear and see only you. Because, Father, we're living in the end days and we need to be changed. And the only thing that can change us is the power of your spirit today. So, Father, pour out on your people. Please pour out on your people. Change us, mold us, and make us into your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. I have to admit, and and it's it's a bit of a confession, but we're all friends here. I, I struggle with the whole... Yuletide Christmas holiday thing. I, str- I, str- I struggle with it. There's a little bit of that little green Grinch that, that's in my heart, and, 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 I, and I, str- I struggle with it. The, 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 the grand retail orgy of buying gifts, whether you need them or not. Um, buying gifts that maybe somebody doesn't want. You know, I always try to buy my wife the best gift possible, but I always keep the receipt, right? Because I've got to read her eyes. Okay, that one didn't get you this year. Okay, here's the receipt. Take it back and, and buy what you want. You know, it, it, just, just trying, to figure, try, trying to figure it out. I, I don't know if any of you have ever, ever bought a gift for, for a child and you thought it would be the absolute perfect gift. And they'd rather play with the box. Yeah, yeah, my grandkids are that way. I just buy them boxes now. I don't. They, they have more fun. I, I remember as a kid, remember in the days where you got to play with refrigerator boxes? If you've never been able, you, my, my parents would give, me a, would give me like a bread knife and I could cut out, you know, cut out the windows and turn it into a little fort. I mean, you know, that was more fun, man, than any expensive gift they could give me. But there was a man, and we're going to talk about this guy, and you've heard about him before. 
He was from a very, very wealthy, powerful family. And he played both sides of the fence because what he loved more than anything else was power. He loved, loved power. Loved it. And he lived in, in Judea at, at, at a time when the Romans were there and, and, and he, he made friends in Rome. In fact, there were a couple of times he actually spent time in Rome. He rubbed shoulders with the wealthy. He got to be known by, by everybody. He made really good friends with Mark Anthony. If any of you know the story of Anthony and Cleopatra, that, that, that Mark Anthony he made friends with. And his father was able to, through his connections and because he was truly liked by the Romans, he got Roman citizenship. Now, for those of you who are immigrants like myself, it's a beautiful day when you get your American citizenship, isn't it? it it's, it's, it's a beautiful day. I, I'm sorry. We have a highly flawed nation, but it's also a great nation at the same time. You can be both. You can be both. Okay, you, you, can, you, can, you can love somebody and recognize their flaws. My wife can write you a book all about me. She loves me, but she recognized my flaws. And that, that's kind of what it's like being an American, right? I mean, you love this country. It's not perfect, but you love it. And, and, he, uh, and, and I, I will tell you, for, for me, my, my walk to American citizenship was not, was not easy. We immigrated as a family in, in 1970, end of 1978, almost 79, to the United States. And, um, and you know, we, we got in legally because you can't swim from South Africa to the United States. And, and if we could have, we would have. We would have. We needed to. And so, so we, we got in and we were okay. And... and um, my dad filled out all the forms for us to ultimately become American citizens, and when we stayed here long enough, six years, the, the time was right, and he sent in the paperwork, and we, they, we all got sworn in as American citizens, and I thought I was an American citizen too, because my family was. In fact, in fact, for, for those of you who are Republicans, I know there's nobody here who are Republicans, but for those of you who are, I actually voted for Ronald Reagan in his second term as an illegal alien. <laughs> Okay, that's just me. That's just me. I'm sorry. sorry. That's just me. I just, I see the irony in it, you know. You know and so, and so I, I thought I was an American citizen. I didn't lie. I thought I, thought I was. It was all good. And then I got to college and I was going to go overseas to be a, a, a student missionary. And I was so excited. I was going to go to Micronesia and, 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 and teach the people there about the gospel and work at a school. And I couldn't. And, and as I was filling out my paperwork, the word got back, you're not an American citizen because my dad had forgotten to check. One little thing for me on the form. So my whole family, American citizens, I wasn't. So I couldn't go because if I had have left the United States, it would have been another six years before I would have been eligible to be an American citizen. And I didn't want the poor girl who I married to think I was marrying her just to get my citizenship. You know what I'm talking about. For those of you who did that, special blessings, special blessings. That's good. But, but, but for me, I, I, just, I, just, I just don't want Nothing wrong with that. Nothing, nothing wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But to be a Roman citizen was a big deal. 
To be an American citizen is a big deal. You know, if, if bad things ever happen to you, we can talk about that, that, that female basketball player that just got released from Russia, right? Good to be an American citizen. If it wasn't for the fact that she was an American citizen, she would still be in jail. Come on now, we, we know that's true. I mean, there, there's a story, one of my favorite stories was an American missionary working in the Sudan. She was not a, a necessarily a Christian missionary. She was working for a non-government organization to bring help to Sudan, South Sudan. And she got kidnapped, and they wanted a lot of money for her. And I will tell you, this is a true story, man. The American government was keeping track of her and how she was doing while they were negotiating, and they were using satellites, satellites, friends, to tell what her blood pressure was, satellites to tell what her body temperature was. They can tell that about you from space. If that makes you feel comfortable or uncomfortable, they can. And they identified with their satellites from space that her health was starting to deteriorate. And there was another uh, guy from the same organization with her there, but he was from Denmark. He was there with her, and they flew in the SEAL teams, and they dispatched all of the people who uh, had her, were holding her hostage. That's the rated G version. It was, it was, they did unkind things to them. And then they loaded them in the plane, and the poor Danish guy was saying, boy, it was a good thing I got kidnapped with an American. And that's what it was like back then. Roman citizenship was a big deal. Romans couldn't be lashed with a whip. Romans had to be respected. And he ended up getting a little bit on the wrong side of a Roman civil war, the, the whole Mark Anthony and Cleopatra thing, and the, battle for, and, the, and the battle for Egypt was raging throughout the Middle East at that time, and he sided with his buddy Mark Anthony. But he was such a political survivor. It's a great story. The story of Herod is, is, is fascinating. It's full of intrigue. And, and he was such a survivor that he went to the Romans and he said to Ptolemy, he said, look, I, I, I'm sorry, I made a mis mistake. Man, man you've got to understand that, 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 that Mark Anthony's my homeboy and, and I couldn't just not side with him. And you know what? The Romans looked at him and said, man, you're, you're honest and you're just the kind of madman we need to be king of Judea. That was their decision. You're the right man for the job. And so he got his ultimate job. He became king of Israel, not just the king of Israel. They sent a whole army with him to quell a revolt. And so he had an army under his power. He became king of Judea. Judea. He, he, had, he had gotten his touch of royalty by marrying an Arab princess. Now he realized he had to get in with the Jews. So he converted to Judaism. And then he put his original wife, put her to the side, and married a princess from a priestly household so he could be accepted by the Jews. I don't know what kind of compromises we have had to make as most of us are immigrants to the United States, including yours truly, to be able to fit in. I will tell you, it's unique to try to fit in as a white African. You tell people, you, you, you should have heard the silence on the phone when my, my, my wife called her mother in northern Wisconsin. I mean, you know, the, 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 there are only white people in northern Wisconsin. And I was there when she was talking to her mom. And mom, my boyfriend's a South African. Crickets. 
Yeah. To fit in. And he wanted to fit in with the Jews so bad, but the problem was he was an Edomite. Now, what does Edomite mean? Edomite means that he descended not from, from, from the right side of the family of Abraham, okay? He was, okay, so his, his, his father, Jacob, now, Jacob and Esau, you know, one was chosen, the other one wasn't. Esau was a de black sheep, okay? He was a descendant from the Esau side of the clan, and so he was trying to fit in. He was trying to work it out. He wanted to be king of the Jews. He wanted to be legitimate. And I want to ask you today, and, I, and I'm sorry, ladies, if this applies a little more to the men than the women in the audience. Don't, don't call me a sexist, even though it might be true. It's not. It's not true. But what kingdom are you, have you been working on this past year? Oh, friend, what kingdom have you, what compromises have you had to make to fit in this past year? What have you had to do to make it work at your job so that you can sacrifice your children and your family? Because I will tell you that, that, that Herod wanted power so badly that ultimately he killed his wife and most of his children. In fact, the Romans joked that it was better to be Herod's dog than to be one of the children in his household. Lord have mercy. But how many times have we gotten home so dog tired at the end of the day that we say, we can't have worship in our home tonight. I'm just going straight to bed. How, how, how many times do we have to tell our children, I don't have time to play with you right now. I've, I've got another meeting I've got to go to. How many, you, know, you know, friends, I, I hate to make it this real. I hate to make it this much of a, of a struggle for us. But how many times do we have to do that? And I know it's hard as an immigrant family. I know you're trying to make ends meet. I know you're trying to make it happen. But friends, what is the kingdom that you're trying to build today? And Herod did great stuff. They didn't just call him Herod the Great randomly. He brought a period of prosperity to Palestine that hadn't been seen for hundreds of years. He built the seaport of Caesarea, and even today they marvel at the level of technology and engineering that went into building that port city, the, the quality of the buildings. He built an entire new town with, 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 with temples, with, with arenas, with homes, with, 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 with walls and fortifications. It was the most wonderful harbor on the Mediterranean. The Romans loved it so much that they made Caesarea the capital of the Roman occupation of Palestine. And if you think he only did things for the Romans, he built incredible palaces. He built the fortress of Masada that was almost impossible to attack. He built it in case there was ever a revolt against him. And he built this fortress right on the edge of the, of the Dead Sea that when the Romans finally tried to take it in 70 AD, the, 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 the Jewish holdouts there were perfectly safe and the Romans had to move an entire mountain to be able to build a siege ramp to get up to it because there was no other way. 
he renovated the temple. He didn't just like do a, you know, a spit and polish and a little bit of paint. I mean, he rebuilt the temple for the Jews in Jerusalem. He made the courtyard bigger. He covered everything with gold. I mean, he wasn't just a, a he, he wasn't just like Herod the dude. He was Herod the Great. He was making stuff happen in Israel, and he loved the power and the recognition of everything we did. Who, who likes power and recognition? Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. We all do. We're all chasing after it. We all want it. We all want to do great things. And friends, I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking to those of you who are also in ministry right now. You, you, we want to do great things for God in ministry, but I, t- I will tell you, if you're neglecting your family, if you're neglecting your health, You're neglecting the first line of ministry in your home. What is the kingdom that you're working for today? And to burst his bubble, a group of strangers come in from the east. You've got to understand that he had sacrificed to be where he was. And I know there are many of us who have sacrificed to be where we are today. It was a sacrifice moving to the United States. We had to sell everything, everything. We showed up in the United States with a small suitcase and the clothes on our backs. We sacrificed everything to come to this country. We left everything back in Africa. Sacrifice is enormous. Three men come from the east, three wise men. You know, so, so many times when we think about these, these three wise men, we, we, we forget the fact that when, when, the, 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 for, when the Jews came back from their captivity, that everybody came back, everybody didn't. These were educated people. These were people who understand, understood the scripture. These were people who were looking for a great king. And they were also astrologers, which makes it very complex for us as Adventists. And they were looking at the sky and they saw a new, a new, a new star in the sky. And they wanted to follow it to see where it would lead them. And they show up and they said, we're looking for the king of the Jews. And Herod raises his hand. You found him! You know, friends, the the only royalty we should have is God living in our hearts. The only thing that we should be striving for is the power of God working in us. The only thing, because if we truly have faith that Jesus is coming again, that is the only investment that's ever going to pay us back. We're working to start a high school here in Broward County. Hopefully everything's going to work out. We'll start it next year at the Fort Lauderdale Seventh Adventist Church. Because the most, one of the most important things we have are our children. And if you're keeping track of the curriculums that they're using in the state public schools, you know that they're not agnostic anymore. They're demonic. If you just know a little bit, if you just scratch the surface, you will realize that Christianity cannot be spoken about, but they've got satanic clubs at your children's schools right now if they're in public school. 
They're teaching behavior as normal that we know from Scripture is destructive. We've got to save our children, friends. I don't, know if, I don't know about you, but I want to be in heaven with my children. I don't know about you. I, maybe you don't. Maybe they're too much of a pain in the butt and you want them to stay here. I don't know. It just depends on your kids, but I want my kids in heaven with me. I don't want to miss out on, on eternity without my son and my daughter. And now I've got the two cutest grandchildren ever. And listen, I'm pretty honest. I, I know what ugly babies look like. If my children were ugly, I'd say I've got, I, they're ugly, but I love them. I would tell you, but no, they're, they're, they're crazy. They're, they're crazy, cute little kids. Three wise men show up and say, we want the king of the Jews. And he's thinking that they're coming to see him. And finally, he calls somebody, one of the intellectuals from his court. And he says, where's the king of the Jews supposed to be? And they, they, they scroll through into Isaiah and they say, oh, he's going to be in the city of David. That's Bethlehem. It's just a few miles from here. Just send them over there. And he says to them, he says to them, okay, look, when you find him, after you found him, please let me know so I I can worship him too. Because you see, friends, if we're not truly looking, if we're not truly looking for the Son of God, we're going to miss out. If we're not truly looking for the Son of God. Friends, the Bible says we're saved by faith. But I will tell you, friends, that our faith is exhibited in the way we live our lives. And I will tell you sometimes in my own life, looking at my life, my life has not reflected the faith that I have that Jesus is coming again. I allow myself to get so caught up in my earthly kingdom, the, the, the world that I want, the, my, my personal ambitions, the things that I want to accomplish for me so I can get the praise of man. And we got to get to the point, friends, when we are living only to hear God saying, welcome home, my good and faithful servant. Herod the Great had sacrificed too much to bow to the true king of the Jews. The three wise men go and they find the boy Jesus and they worship him and God tells them don't go back to Herod I pray Lord please that the Lord never has to give that instructions to anybody about you I pray friends that the, the Lord will say you have seen him now go back and tell them what you have seen so they too can come and worship me that's the message but the God said don't go back don't go back to him in fact he had to warn Jesus father get him out take him to Egypt Now, I'm not sure the order of how things worked out because two different Gospels tell these stories differently. Matthew 2, verse 1 through 16 tells about the wise men, but the shepherd story is told in Luke 2, verse 8 through 10. 
And I'm going to tell the story the way I see it. That's why I like to preach. I can tell the story the way I see it. If you see it differently in your head, get up here and preach. Come on. I'll share the mic. But in my mind's eye, Jesus is born. He's, he's born, he's, he's born in, 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 a, in a place where they, 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 they kept animals. And he's down there. And the angels are so excited in heaven. They're chiding God and saying, God, we got to tell somebody. This is the best news ever. This is the most amazing gift. Your son is down there on earth. He has become a man. He's successfully there. He's going to be their salvation. Please let us tell somebody. And God's like, man, just chill, guys. It's all right. We don't, we don't need that. No, God, we, please, let, let us tell somebody. Let, please, let us tell. Have you ever bought the perfect gift for somebody at Christmas? I try every year to find my wife the perfect gift. Unsuccessfully. But when you know you've got the perfect gift and you can't wait to see them open it because you know it's something that they've been craving for a long time and you know they're going to love it. That's the best kind of Christmas for me. I don't want to get anything. Man. I just want to see the look. Of the wow! I did it to my son once. Now, my son was a, was a cool kid, totally cool. Whatever I'd get him for Christmas, he loved it, okay? Whatever I, I got him. And, and usually I'd get him like two really, really excellent, good quality gifts, and he would open them, go to his room, and we wouldn't see him for a couple of days. We'd have to like slide food under the door, you know? There was just enough room for a slice of pizza, one slice at a time. And it would disappear in his room. But he had, he had turned 16, and he had been saving for a car since he was about eight or nine years old. He mowed lawns. He ran his own lawn mowing business. He would help people move. He was a pretty strapping young guy. He would do whatever. And he saved his money. He consistently saved every penny we gave him. He saved it. We put it in the bank. He saved it. He, he had over $2,000 saved. That was pretty good, you know, back in, when was it, about 2000 when, when the dollar was still worth something. It was, it was nice. 2000 you know and I told him that whatever you save I will match <laughs> I was gonna be out two thousand dollars <sighs> and so him and I had gone, shop, gone car shopping a couple of times I got an idea of, of what he liked and and but but then I, I broke the news to him because I'm a bad dad I said son two thousand dollars is a lot of money man and uh, Things have been a little tight. I don't think I'm going to be able to match it. Now, here's how cool my son is. This is a true story. He said, that's okay, Dad. Let's just get the best car we can for 2000 So we went out and started looking for cars. And, and I intentionally, because I'm just that kind of a mean person, I brought home the nastiest hoopties I could find for $2,000. I think the best thing I found was like a beat up old Mazda Miata with bad struts, so it bounced as we went down the road and it needed all kinds of work and stuff. And, and he said, Dad, you know, as long as it gets me to where I want to go, I'm cool with it, man. Whatever, whatever. You just find the best thing. I know you'll help me keep it on the road because you're a good mechanic. We'll, we'll be okay. But what he didn't know is I had found him a beautiful, well taken care of, 1998 Chevy Camaro with T-tops. It was white with the Corvette wheels, leather interior. I put a banging stereo system in the thing. 
And then I, I was a school principal at the time, and I'd snuck it into the cafeteria. I had big doors. I snuck into the cafeteria after school got out, and I moved all the tables, and I detailed that car out until it looked brand new. And it was Christmas time, and I put a red bow on it. And while he was playing with his other gifts he got for Christmas, I brought it and I put it into the driveway of the house. And it was sort of one of those split-level homes, and the driveway was a little lower, and his, his bedroom was on the other side of the house. And I came and said, Alex, there's something in the driveway I need you to help me with. Now, the thing is, he was playing one of those video games, and the young people, you know what I'm talking about, well, once you play it, it's all online. You're playing with people all over the country, and because we lived over everywhere, he had connected with all of his friends, and they were out murdering Nazis or doing some nasty thing on the game, and they were having so much fun doing it. And, and, so, and so he said, Dad, I'm in the middle of a game, man. I have all my friends here, and I'm winning, and I'm just, like, racking up the points. I said, Son, I really need your help in the driveway. He said, but Dad, I'm having so much fun. I said, put it on hold. But Dad, if I put it on pause, and I pause for everybody, and it's not going to work. I said, son, I really need your help, bro. I really need your help. I can't do this by myself. So he came out the back door of the house, and down the stairs, around the corner, and there this car was with a big red bow and he dropped to his knees he says is that for me dad is, is that for me and I said yes son it's got a full tank of gas it's insured and it's licensed and it's for you and he hopped in the car and I didn't see him for two days I did not see him he, just, he, 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 was, he was gone he was gone and the angels were like let's give them the gift it's such a cool gift it's so amazing can't we tell somebody please and so God says okay you can tell the shepherds Now, now, let's dig into this a little deeper because it wasn't just tell the shepherds because they were nobodies and shepherds were the nobodies back then, right? I mean, they, they, like if you ever go to a fast food restaurant, they're not the people who work the cash registers. They're the burger flippers in the back. That's, that's, that, that's, that's who the shepherds were. They were not the high and mighty people in society. And, and uh, you can tell the shepherds of Bethlehem, the good news. And so there these shepherds are. It's a dark night. There's just a few clouds, maybe just a few stars in the sky. It's dark. And, and, and it's not dark like we have here in, in South Florida. It's never really dark in South Florida. There's too much light pollution. Uh, if you've lived in the high desert of northern Arizona like I have, where you can see the next town by its glow at night, a hundred miles away, that kind of dark. So almost with the power of a thousand LED lights, this angel shows up, big shine, and these poor guys, they've never seen anything quite that bright, and they're absolutely terrified, and then the angel says the funniest thing ever. Don't be afraid. Okay, too late. I need a change of clothes. This was not what I was expecting. And these, these angels shows up. I've got good news. Oh, great tidings. The, 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 the Savior of the world is born. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger in Bethlehem. Now stay with me here. Stay with me here because there's some deep stuff going on here. Okay, you've got to understand. 
that Bethlehem was known throughout all of Judea as the place where the most perfect lambs were birthed. The place where the, it wasn't like God just randomly chose Bethlehem. It was where his son, the lamb who was going to die for the people was going to be born. Where the perfect lambs were. These weren't just regular shepherds. These were the shepherds that raised the sheep who bore the perfect lambs who would die in the temple for the sins of Judah. Let's go one next step because so many times we see these little menorah scenes and this nice little wooden manger that Jesus, the mangers in Bethlehem weren't wood. The, the, the sheep and the cattle were kept in caves. And so the mangers were carved out of the rock. And when a perfect lamb was born, they didn't leave it just frolicking out in the field to get all dirty and nasty and possibly to get hurt. They took those little lambs and what did they do with them? They actually put the little perfect lambs in a manger in one of the caves to keep them safe until it was time for their time to be sacrificed. And so when the angel came to the shepherds and said, this child is laying in a manger, maybe a manger that you yourselves had put a perfect lamb into to be sacrificed, they understood better than anybody else what the angel was saying. That the sacrifice that was going to die for your sins and mine and theirs was being prepared for his ultimate sacrifice by being laid, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Friends, we need the God of our life not to be an external thing that we are reaching for, but something that is safe in our hearts. We need the God of our lives to be first and foremost in our lives over and above any kingdom that we think we're trying to build for ourselves. We need the God in our lives. This holiday season... to be the sacrifice that was born and laid in a manger and who was going to die for our sins. If you want that in your life, if you're willing to turn your back on Herod's Christmas for the Christmas that God has in store, I'm asking you to stand with me tonight. And if not, if you're still stuck in Herod's blessings to you, but if you want to stand with me right now and say, God, I, I want to put that kingdom aside. I, I want the kingdom of God in my life. God, I want to put all the hustle and bustle. I'm going to make you center in my life. God, I want you to change my life, change my family, change my heart, and be number one in my life. I'm inviting you to stand with me right now. And if you're still struggling with it, please, you can struggle. We're all struggling, but please today. Please today, Father in heaven. Father in heaven, give us the faith today to walk away from the power and the hustle and bustle in this world that is tearing us away from you. May we walk away.
and accept that child in a manger, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.